Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, where we will be considering those few words, the the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6 verse 9 says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And our focus will be upon those words, hallowed be your name. My guess is is that as you think about these words, as you consider this first petition of the Lord's Prayer, you may be thinking to yourself, there's really not a whole lot here, perhaps not enough to, to, for an entire sermon. Uh, even the meaning uh, is generally clear. Uh, to hallow God's name is to regard his name as holy, to regard it as precious, as special. This petition is ultimately about glorifying God, and I think we're very familiar with the idea that we are to glorify God in all things. And so when you hear this petition, you may almost dismiss it. But regardless of how familiar the Lord's Prayer is and how familiar this particular petition is, there are depths to it really that can never be fathomed. Remember that within this model prayer is every aspect of true prayer. And so the more you study the Lord's Prayer, the more you study this petition, you'll find that there is a lot here. There is a lot going on when we ask this petition in spirit and in truth, as the Lord intends for us to do. It's typical um, for those studying the Lord's Prayer to consider the structure of the Lord's Prayer and to, to divide it into two main categories. The first three petitions is relating to the cause of God, and the last four to our own daily concerns. And there is some validity to this division, this twofold division. Just like we can make a distinction within the Ten Commandments between the first four, which teach us our duty toward God, and the last six, which teach us our duty toward man. And yet we must not look at this division in the Lord's Prayer as though in the first three petitions we are praying for God, as though God needs our prayers, as though the first three petitions have nothing to do with us, as though we're asking something for God, uh, just like we might ask something for, for other people. Now, even the first three are petitions. These, are things, uh, this, the, these petitions are about things that we need, things that we are asking God to do with respect to us. Christ commands us to pray this way. He commands us to pray, hallowed be your name. And we are commanded to pray this prayer because we naturally, according to our sinful nature, have no desire to pray this prayer. When we pray this prayer, asking for what it really means, we are praying for great change in our lives and in the lives of others. And certainly not, we're not praying for some kind of a change in God. And uh, this becomes absolutely clear when we consider the main idea of this first petition. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we are seemingly asking God to make his name holy, to do something for himself, but God's name is already holy. Uh, God is already as, as holy as he can possibly be, so how can it be that he would be hallowed? Well, we're really asking that God's name would be hallowed by us. But that raises the question, an even greater question, how we as sinners, as mere creatures, can make God's name holy. 
This is similar to the problem when we are told to glorify God. God is already glorious. He's as, already as glorious as he can possibly be, so how can we glorify him? Well, the solution to this apparent problem is not to deny God's absolute holiness or glory and claim that God needs us in order for him to be complete. And I bring that up because there are many churches that, that teach that perspective. And sometimes you may even, according to your natural pride, think that way. Do you think that God needs you? As if it weren't for you that God would somehow be lacking? Well, I hope not, because God is absolutely holy. He is absolutely distinct from all his creatures. He's exalted above us in infinite majesty. He is glorious, and we can add nothing to his glory. He is God, and he is God, was God without us. He doesn't need us to add anything to what he already is. This petition that God's name would be hallowed, just like the need to glorify God, then you see concerns us. Yes, God is glorious, but the problem is that we don't always glorify God. We do not always hallow God as we should. God's name is already holy in and of itself, but it is not recognized as such in the way that it ought to be in this world and even by us. And so this petition is asking for a change in us. What you ask for in this petition is that God would receive the honor and the reverence and the worship and the praise to which he is rightly entitled from us and from others. Really, ultimately, he is entitled to all of to this from everybody in the world. This petition then implies the basic truth that God is worthy of being hallowed. And as we begin to go into prayer and to ask this petition, we are called then to meditate on God, on who he is, what he is like. And this is exactly what is meant by referring to God's name. Hallowed be your name. God has a name. And when scripture talks about a name, about God's name, that's usually far different than what we usually mean by a name. Uh, we name our children, we name our pets, we may even have an old vehicle that you have named. And by this, we simply tag these things with a word so that we associate that particular word with that child or with that thing, whatever we are naming. And we usually choose a name because it reminds us of someone else that, that we remember fondly or just because the name has a nice ring to it. But in Scripture, even in the naming of a child, choosing a name was far more than just randomly choosing a word by which to address someone. It meant something. It meant something about the person himself. And so God renamed Jacob Israel, and Abram became Abraham. And yet so often we don't even know what our names mean. But in Scripture, what a name means is everything. Today, the closest thing to how a name is used in Scripture is when we refer to a person's reputation. We might say, for instance, that a dishonest person has a bad name, and so we don't want to do business with that person. They have a bad name. They have a bad reputation. And so it is that God has a name, a certain reputation, a name because of who he is. This means then that the names for God in Scripture are more than just titles, like we perhaps tend to think of them. These, are the, these names tell us about God. They tell us what he is like. They tell us who he is. They mean something. 
And that's why in Scripture, a lot of times, the name of God stands for God himself. Psalm 5, verse 11 says, Let them also that love your name be joyful in you. And the psalmist there is talking about those who love God himself uh, when they love his name. Or Psalm 20, verse 1, The name of the God of Jacob defend you. That is, may the God of Jacob himself defend you. Or another, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, means Jehovah himself is a strong tower. And so when God tells us his names, and he has many names in scripture, he reveals things to us about himself. He has called the Almighty because he wants to reveal to us his power and greatness. He's called the Lord of hosts, showing his sovereignty over all the hosts of heaven who are at his disposal to carry out his will and to protect his people. He's called Jehovah to emphasize that he is unchangeable, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And especially that name reveals to us that God will never change in his covenant relationship with his people. It's a name that brings out that he will remain faithful to his covenant promises. And then there's the name of God just mentioned in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, Father which tells us that God is loving, that he protects us, that he cares for us as his people, that our relationship with him is like that of a loving father with his child. And there are others, many other names. In fact, if you look it up, uh, you'll be told that there are 311 different names and titles given to God in Scripture, each telling us something about God. And so when we pray that God's name be hallowed, Our prayer concerns God as he has revealed himself in his name. And that brings us to ask the question, well, what is the greatest way in which God has revealed himself? Well, that name of God is revealed most clearly of all in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the revelation. He is the name of God. He is God come in the flesh. I'd like to have you turn for a moment to Matthew chapter 1. Verses 20 through 23. He here is Joseph, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And if you'll also turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And skipping down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus Christ by who he is, by what he has done, declares to us, reveals to us God himself. He is Jehovah salvation. Jehovah come to bring us salvation. And so our prayer that God's name would be hallowed must flow out of a love for Christ. We do not rightly pray to God as Father if we do not know Christ. No one comes to the Father, Jesus said, except through him. We must pray to God as he has revealed himself, the God who has revealed himself to us in his Son. And it's when we know who Christ is, that he is the Son of God, God himself come in the flesh. And when we understand and we know what he did, what he did for us, when we come to understand his grace and love, when we see the revelation of God in Christ, in Christ giving himself to the death of the cross, and when we know him as Savior, It is then and only then that you'll understand truly how much God deserves to be hallowed. The truth is God deserves to be regarded as holy. In fact, in praying this petition, we are saying we want God to be regarded as holy. We want him to be revered. We want him to be set apart as precious. And knowing his name, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, we want him to receive the praise that he deserves. For knowing God in Christ, knowing him as revealed in Scripture, we recognize that especially Scripture emphasizes God's greatness by revealing that God is holy. He is great. He is worthy of all of our praise. As we think of the holiness of God, we recognize that he is absolutely distinct from us as creatures. There is this great distance between us and God because he is creator and we are but creatures. God is infinite. He is without limitations as far as space, time, and power, and yet we are finite. We are limited. We are actually very weak creatures. Our lives can be taken from us in a moment by an accident or disease. We are dependent upon so many things for life itself and for our well-being. The basic things of food, water, or air are necessary or we die. And then there's the reality that we sin. And God is not like us in any of these ways. He is spirit. He is utterly different than us. We don't, he, he doesn't need anything outside of himself to exist, to live like we do. It's important to recognize that we are not little gods or part of God like the cults teach. Nor is everything of this physical world God, as the Eastern religions teach, so that water is God, and plants are God, and people are God. No, God is unique to himself. His existence is separate from creation. It's part of his holiness. The heart of his holiness is the idea as well that he is utterly separate and distinct from anything evil. It's utterly pure. It's only natural then that as our holy God, 
He is exalted above us in infinite majesty. God is in heaven, remember, as we say in the opening of this prayer. He is a majestic God, enthroned in glory. Those who've had glimpses of God were deeply affected. Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. The angels crying out to him, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah's response to God's holiness, Woe is me, for I am undone. Being in the presence of God, he is immediately aware of his own unworthiness, his sin, his filth. He felt small and he confessed, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When we understand God's holiness, we then understand what we are praying when we ask that God's name be hallowed. We are praying that God would be honored and praised as the holy God that he is. This God is to be worshipped and served as he deserves, not only by us, but by all people. The first petition, therefore, is a prayer that, all, that, that we and all others would know God as the holy God he is. We need to know God as he has revealed himself in scripture, because how else can we hallow him? How can we give him the glory that he deserves except we first know him? We must know his name to hallow it. Knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, having turned to him to save you from sin, that's basic to having a real knowledge of God. For whoever knows Christ knows the Father. And yet even as Christians, we have such a small understanding of God. The God of our minds, the God that we have in our minds as we think of him, our concept of God is typically so small and, and weak which explains why our faith is often so small, why we are prone to worry and anxiety. Is it not true that we are this way because we don't know the holiness of God? We can't fully hallow him as long as we don't have the right and correct and full knowledge about him. And so this prayer implies that we're asking the Father for the right knowledge, the right understanding of the truth of who God is, and not just head knowledge, but knowing God as he is, that he is worthy of our praise and devotion and service, worthy of our trust. We need that relational knowledge of love and fellowship where we are growing closer to him spiritually. And this true knowledge of God is revealed in the scriptures. And we receive it and we increase in it through the reading of the scriptures, through searching the scriptures, through the preaching of the word, and through the instruction of ourselves and of our children in the word at home and in the church. And these scriptures need to be opened to us by the Holy Spirit. And so the first petition implies that we are asking that all of the means in which God gives us knowledge of himself would be blessed. This is a prayer to bless the preaching of the word, our Bible studies, our own reading of the Bible. And not, again, not just so that we can fill our heads with facts and with this, what we generally term head knowledge, but that spiritual knowledge, which is eternal life. That knowledge which causes us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That knowledge that causes us to want to serve him and to give our lives to him, knowledge that leads us to want to hallow him. This prayer then presupposes that we long for a true knowledge of God. 
It means that we are not doctrinally indifferent, but we are zealous for the truth. To pray this prayer means that you are not like those who are content to know just enough to be saved. The person who prays this prayer is like the psalmist who had the testimony, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. So do you truly seek to know God better? Since God is revealed in the scriptures, do you have a zeal to study the scriptures? Do you look with eagerness to hear the preaching of the word? I know that to love his word is really part of our spiritual battle. We do not love God's word as we ought, which means that we need to ask this petition that God's name would be hallowed in our hearts. In other words, it's hypocrisy. Um, It's blasphemous for us to pray this petition and then show no interest in God's word. What do you think is God's attitude when you take this prayer upon your lips and yet at home the Bible remains closed? What of the Christian who says these words and yet fails to show up regularly for worship, who has no real interest in learning the word of God? What about you as parents who teach even your children the Lord's Prayer but fail to teach them the scriptures as you ought? It's hypocrisy to ask that God's name be hallowed and yet show no interest in knowing God. This petition means even more. In this request, we are asking God to give us his grace that we might always glorify him in our thoughts, words, and deeds. The fact that we are commanded to pray this prayer shows that we don't hallow God's name as we ought. Our lives are full of sin. We don't always live in such a way that God is glorified, that his name is hallowed. And again, what does this mean when God already has all glory? Well, this means that our lives must reveal that God is working in us. When people interact with us and see how we live and how we speak, they ought to see God at work. Their natural response to our lives should be to praise God for what they see in us. The good works that we do should impress people that we are different. You ought to want that. Your desire should be to live a holy life so that God's name would be glorified. That's your responsibility, actually, when you claim to be a Christian. What happens to God's name when you talk piously about God? Say you're a Christian, but then live in sin. To glorify God with your mouth and to walk in darkness is hypocrisy. Scripture says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so in praying this prayer, you're asking God to help you to keep his commandments. You're asking him to cause you to grow in sanctification in order that your life would match your confession that God's name would always be honored through you. In addition, we are asking, as the catechism says, that God would, this is from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, that God would prevent and remove atheism, ignorance, idolatry, profaneness, and whatever, whatsoever, is dishonorable to him. We must be so consumed with the hallowing of God's name that we don't only yearn for it in ourselves, But in all of the world around us, the true child of God 
if you're a true child of God, you're not, you, you, you really can't stand it to see God profaned and dishonored. It bothers you to hear people take God's name in vain, to talk about God disrespectfully. It should bother you when people talk about God in ways that do not conform to what Scripture says about him. When people talk, for instance, about God just like they would talk about a person, like their neighbor next door, forgetting that he is our Father in heaven. Or they say false things about him that imply or directly state that he's not in control of all of the circumstances of life, that he's not sovereign, or that salvation is not 100% the result of his grace, but at least partly our doing. This ignorance of God that takes away from his majesty and his sovereignty is the opposite of hallowing his name. This should be disturbing to you. Especially disturbing should be those who live with a complete disregard for God in atheism, completely denying God's existence or in idol worship. You ought to be jealous for God's honor. And so in praying that God's name would be hallowed, we are praying that others would know Christ as Lord and Savior. Part of our concern with, is that others, your neighbors, unsaved loved ones, would also hallow God's name, that others would love God, that they would seek to know him. And of course, this is especially what will be taken up with the next petition, thy kingdom come. Even so, praying for the hallowing of God's name is an evangelistic prayer, praying that God would bless all evangelism and mission work throughout the world. And finally, in praying, hallowed be your name, we pray that in everything, God would receive the glory. That as he directs everything, history, our country, our cities, our work, every detail of our lives, as he directs everything according to his providence, we want him to receive the glory. This means that you're willing to suffer. You're willing to undergo anything that is in accord with his will as long as he is glorified. His glory should be all that matters. It should be the number one priority in your life. And so to pray this prayer requires a lot. To pray this prayer means that you are humbling yourself, that you're setting aside your own interests. It means that your first concern in prayer is not what becomes of you and your earthly existence and life. Now this prayer, to pray this prayer is to follow in the way of Jesus. As the cross approached him, scripture records for us that prayer of agony. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. We'll see that Christ was willing to suffer the death of the cross if that meant the Father would be glorified. And so we ought to approach the difficult things in our lives the same way. We know that God is working all things to his glory. That is a fact. God is in control as the sovereign God. There is nothing that is not ultimately for his glory. Yes, there is right now the opposition of Satan and wicked men. There are afflictions that come into our lives as a result of the curse of sin. And yet, in the end, all of these things are being guided by God for his glory. We do not always see how, but one day when the Lord returns, we will see how everything has served God and his purposes. Now, this is a matter of faith, but in the meantime, we must pray and live with this reality in mind, and we must want it this way. We must want God to be glorified. 
no matter what that means for us. If it means that loved ones must die, if it means that we are to go through sickness, if it means that we become nothing, so be it, as long as God is glorified. Do you pray that way? Do you pray with your own selfish desires in mind, or do you pray with submission to the Lord's will, even if it must mean that you lose your life for his sake? As you face trials in your life, you must be able to pray, Our Father, if I must be led through these deep and difficult ways in order that your glorious power and grace may be revealed, hallowed be your name. Hopefully you can recognize that this is not natural to us. It's hard to pray in this way. There's a great deal in praying this prayer. In fact, if you understand all that is involved, your response should be to pray, Our Father in heaven, give us the grace to pray. Hallowed be your name. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, may you give us the grace that is needed that we would pray this prayer, that we would pray this petition with true understanding and with true love for you. Lord, may you be first in our lives. May your glory, may the hallowing of your name be the number one goal in our lives. May our words, our deeds, even our thoughts be pleasing to you. Father, you are holy. You are our creator. You are set apart and distinct from us, from all of your creation. You are utterly set apart from anything evil. Father, you are infinite in majesty. You are our God, our God in heaven. Father, may we recognize you for who you truly are. Forgive us for how we do not always think correctly about you. Father, may your name be hallowed in us as well as in the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.